spoke on that. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was a usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Kobo, Waterstones, and many, many other places. Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded since then. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it'd be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house again. Okay, now we've got uh, back on Skype again today, and we've got a gentleman that we've just been talking on the first take of this one, Chris, haven't we? That we reckon it was a few years ago that we originally met. Like, because I know the first time we got talking was through your Hannah, the first time I heard you actually was you and your wife were on Hannah Kate's radio programme, and that was a few years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Hammered yeah. about four five years ago. Yeah, because I know I've been on it. I've been on myself doing the full session myself, and I've been on their open mic thing a few times. Because a program I think is on hold at the moment, but it was always a great way of catching up with the writers and stuff like that. So I know I definitely first heard you both there, and then we met last year, didn't we? I think over at Gordon Zola's night at Cuckoo. Yes, that was probably around May or June, I think. Yeah. Wow. If that's almost a year ago already. I know it's terrifying, and um, I know you were you were t- t- just telling me on our first attempt at recording <laughs> that um, you basically you, you had that one poem for your show, didn't you, which we were talking about today, and then you kind of you were hoping yeah. to expand it, weren't you? Yeah, so I'm the kind of writer that starts a poem and then it festers for a couple of months and then it gets to a couple of hours before I'm due to perform it. It's still not finished. <laughs> so I'll finish it. Oh. <laughs> Up at Paul Jenkins night waffling round the bottom, did it there, it seemed to go well, so yeah, took it to Cuckoo and a few other places. Yeah. Now off there's something in it. Can I do a show around just one poem? Can I expand it? Ah, we'll give it a go, why not? <laughs> Best way. Now obviously Chris, we've obviously t- people know you who you are your name is Chris, but do you want to fully introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are and where all your creativity came from, because you and your wife are very like me and my partner Amanda, and the fact that you've, you've been involved in lots of projects over the years, haven't you? Yeah, um, so my name is Chris Moriarty. I am a teacher. It's my day job. By night, I am a writer, performance poet. I go running every now and again when all the different projects we've got going on take me to breaking point, and I can't help anymore. <laughs> but really go. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, about not turning back, but I always do. Oh, yeah. Um, so, me and my wife, Carrie, used to run Bunbury Magazine, which was an online international arts and lit magazine. We did a series of open mic nights under different names. So, I think primarily it was Just Right Speaks over in Bury. 
Um, and then I'm moving on to this solo show of mine. Yeah. After having I've been done open mics for a few years. Yeah. Now, obviously, um, you mentioned about your bird magazine and your open mics, so we'd better talk about them first, hadn't we? So, because obviously, like, I know the magazine, as you said already, is on hold at the moment, but it's still available for people to read, isn't it? And um, where did your magazine come from originally, the idea for the pair of you then? So, we started it because as writers in our own right, uh, we were submitting to magazines <laughs> ourselves and whether we were accepted or rejected at the time because we were quite raw as writers that was usually rejected, but we weren't getting feedback. All we were getting was, we like it, but it's not quite through our niche, which doesn't really help you develop as a writer. Agreed, agreed so completely then. Oh, sod you, we're going to create our own niche, <laughs> which is completely useless, but we're going to make sure we give that feedback what work, what doesn't work, why we're accepting or rejecting, so it can help people who love writing develop the craft. No, fair point. I agree with that completely, because Amanda's got a magazine got the moment called Printed Words, and her ethos, basically, because I'm on the hired help, she, it's her magazine. <laughs> I keep yeah. out of it. But, um, yeah, she does exactly the same, where she always gives feedback, and she, there's, not, there's barely any magazines that do that. All that no. they, give, they give it for free anyway, certainly, because I've come across some that will give you feedback, but they'll charge you £10 for it or something, and I thought... Yeah, I think that's a bit morally ambiguous, really. I, I, I can understand why you, you need the money to build the infrastructure for the magazine, but it creates a barrier to people learning how to do the thing that they want to do. Because some people might not have those £10. Yeah. These days, everything that's going on, I'm not going to mention the big C word. Yeah, well, um, we avoid topics, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but why create a financial barrier when there's so many other barriers up there in the first place? No, I agree with you. If people want to learn how to write, they should be able to do it from as many sources as possible. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you completely there. Now, you and Kerry also, obviously, I mean, you you have told me off mic that you're considering bringing this back, maybe. As well, you used to run open mic night, didn't you, under various names in Bury? Yes. Um, so, in its latter phases, it's probably its most successful phase. It was um, known as Just Right Speaks over in Bury. I believe at the time we could legally call ourselves Bury's Premier Poetry Night, but that's largely because it was Bury's only poetry <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, we, it, it was a blast it really was some of the headliners we had over were phenomenal we had Dominic Berry over a few times Chris Jam Steve Pottinger Genevieve Walsh um, Ross Ballinger ev every talented person between here and Birmingham and sometimes further south yeah coming along uh, oh Brogan as well oh blimey yeah Kerry like to credit ourselves with discovering Brogan. He <laughs> <laughs> did his very first poetry performance at an open mic night. Oh wow! Oh brilliant! Brilliant! No, no. He came, the, the next month, he came and did his, I believe, his first headline slot, and then he's just exploded from there. Yeah, yeah. I've, I have, I've seen Brogan. God, yeah, it was a while ago. So yeah, completely great stuff. But obviously, like now, obviously. Um, Obviously, both those, both those projects are on hold now, but I know currently you're working on a new show now, aren't you? Which we were talking about before. And that's obviously, 
I've heard you do two bits on now, actually. I've actually really enjoyed it. Now, do you want to tell people about the show, then? And where, where your idea for Zeus for adults came from? Yes, of course. Um, so, it came from when I was working in a library in a secondary school. I was going through the books one day, and as I was wont to do when I was organising the books, I'd sometimes just sit and read one. <laughs> Um, just for research purposes of course yes of course you need you need to know your stock don't you <laughs> um, and i had a copy of green eggs and ham in my hand and i was i just thought i've not read that for years and years and years and i sat and read it and while it is a wonderful poem sam i am is possibly the most irritating fictional character ever created <laughs> next to christopher robin um, if someone asks, do you like chocolate? And they go, no, you don't then list every other chocolate bar under the sun going, do you like, do you like Mars? Do you like Twix? Do you like Pansy? <laughs> no, get away from me. I'm going to pump your hair in a minute. Um, so, yeah, it came from that. I, I just wanted to rewrite how I imagined it would actually be. And from there, it just started to snowball. I was looking at other Dr. Zeus poems, so The Cat in the Hat, um, Other Places You'll Go, and thinking, what can I do with those to sort of update them, really, make, make them entertaining for myself more than anything, and help other people enjoy it as well. Yeah, no, great stuff. Now, obviously, you said, was it quite a long process writing a show for yourself, then, was it? Um, I, I think the there were two parts that took quite a while. So I've got the four Dr. Zeus poems in there. They took a while to write because I found myself going down avenues that didn't work. Mm. So I tried a rewrite of um, the zookeeper. If I ran the zoo. I oh, tried yeah. a rewrite of If I Ran the Zoo about Brexit, but that didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> I might come back to it. Um, Fox is not about social media. That's kind of on hold at the moment. So trying to just find those ones that I could work something with. Yeah, of course. The second one was um, they are intertwined with completely original poems of my own, which I feel thematically link. Yeah, of course. Right. So it was a case of trying to go through my back catalogue and first off make a decision on which of my own poems I could stand to read anymore and not go, oh my God, the teenage angst. Yeah, I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, and um, figure out which ones fit in with what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, completely. I get it completely. Did you find that uh, this has impacted the way you wrote write then? Because when you take on big projects like that, you always find it impacts the way you write and, and it can influence what leads to next basis for you. So could you, I think you probably found that it's probably quite quite a major challenge to write this sort of project, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, so a few years ago, I believe it was 2015, I was trying to find ways of getting over a mental health issue that I had. So I sat down on the 1st of January and I wrote a poem just to get something out. Did that on the 2nd of January and on the 3rd, 4th and all the way every day of the year. 365 poems. Bloody hell. <laughs> and 
Not, wow. You know, it, it did my head in towards the end. Oh, wow. Um, but that was writing for me to get something out. Yeah. For the show, I've found the paradigm shifted a little bit into trying to write for other people. Now, whether that's a corrupt motivation, because writing's personal in its own intrinsic nature, it's, but it, it, I found I was writing in a slightly different way. Yeah. I was writing more, okay, where's the beat here? How can I get from that beat to the next beat to the next laugh to the next laugh to the next poignant moment rather than just going, these are my words, I'm going to splash them on the page and then figure it out later. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's what I think you do is like it's, you're almost like you've stepped backwards in this one, haven't you? So you've had to do it a slightly different way and like as a writer, it's always good fun to be trying to trying to do something different. So yeah, respect to you definitely for that. Now, obviously, with the C word being in place at the moment, and we're not going to mention that word, of course, but it's kind of impacted when the where the show when the show was going to get performed, wasn't it? Because I know, and yeah, I know. Sorry, you, I didn't mean to... Yeah, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Now I know you did a, you did a, a Facebook um, live of it, didn't you, the other week? So how did that go for you? How did that was that a really interesting experience for you? It was it was it was odd because I had nothing to feed off. I, there was no audience, so I did it on my laptop as I'm sitting here now, while Kerry hosted a watch party on her mobile phone. Now because of that, all the comments were coming to the watch party, which I couldn't see, so I couldn't. I didn't even have the feedback from the audience, so I just. <laughs> I just went with what was largely entertaining <laughs> for me. Um, it's doing it live with actual people. So I did it at Wax and Beans in Bury, then Rufus in Presswich, and All Souls in Bolton. It Each one was completely different because as it's gone on, I've added poems, I've changed the segues, I've tried to add a narrative in. And it's different every time. Doing it on Facebook, I just sort of presented the poems as they were. I gave a little bit of the usual open mic waffle that we all do, the, the build-up to it, even though we're encouraged not to sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah I can relate to that. Is um, cause we, um, Me and Amanda, we've started sorting out fairly soon some open mic nights coming up on Zoom and stuff like that, and... And I've sat, we've sat through a few at the moment the last couple of weeks, last week to it. It's, it's a vastly different experience to what you're doing on Facebook, watching even just in person like that. So, but anyway, so I encourage you to have a go and while the country's in the situation it's in, but it's fascinating. But yeah, but like I said, what do you... It's, sorry, yes. There's a trend of it going at the moment, obviously, with, with everything that's going on. I know that Dave Vine is trying to organise a virtual poetry slam. Um... And the, like you say, there's just so much going on, and it is so strange because you don't have that energy to feed off. But at the same time, it's we're, we're in a position at the moment where we can slow down a little bit. We don't have the hectic commute, work, commute back yeah. home. What needs doing around home? Clean, cook, get yeah. out, shop. Yeah. The usual. We can just. The silver lining is we can slow down a little bit and yeah. appreciate each other a bit more yeah no i've noticed have noticed that yeah definitely society has changed for that way at the moment and it's i think it's made us i don't know if you agree with this one chris where it's made us a lot having a lot more unselfish towards other people 
Definitely. I mean, I, I, not to make myself sound terrible for a moment, but um, when I am in the throes of just the daily grind of working and everything, I do tend to get a little bit insular. And I curse myself sometimes that I don't help people more, but what I've been trying to actively get out more and do things more, doing supply runs um, for people who need who can't get out and do it themselves. I was in town the other day called in a few shops to pick things up for people, and every time I took my pack off to put things in, I felt like Daryl from The Walking Dead. <laughs> <out of scavenging. laughs> oh, Man- Manda's a big fan of The Walking Dead. She would be, she would be laughing at that one, she would be. So she would ju- I'll make sure I'll point that one out to you when, when I upload this, definitely. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, um, what's, what plans do you have then for the show then? Obviously, it's very hard at the moment to plan, isn't it, with what's going on, really? It is. Um, so, I've been applying to fringe festivals. So, I've applied to Greater Manchester and Morecambe Fringes, both of whom accepted, and then planned obviously. So, it's just waiting to hear exactly what's going to happen with that, um, whether they become virtual festivals for this year. Um, I'm still going ahead with it either way um, and then just see where it goes I'll apply for more if I can get down to Brighton Leicester Edinburgh's the big one but Edinburgh's oh, yeah terrifying I couldn't do it I um, really couldn't do it she's doing Bunbury magazine I know how terrifying it is and uh, that that's the one to think about I think I think I always really say when you go to Edinburgh is when it really gets serious <laughs> that one so yeah Res- yeah Respect you in that one, Chris. Definitely. I, I don't have belief at the moment, but it it might come. It might not. Well, people can't see me doing the fingers crossed here, right? So definitely a good luck with it, mate. Now, if people want to find out more about you at the moment, before obviously before you read a few pieces out for us, where are the best going? Um, Facebook. So if people go to Christopher Moriarty, writer and editor on Facebook, that's my primary social media outlet at the moment although be, being a teacher I've not had time really to go on and post anything for about a week or so but <laughs> yeah. the, the content will come the content will come I'm, I'm just sharing things that tie into shows that tie into poems that I've written and just trying to have a little bit of fun on there it's not all posty posty look at my thing buy my thing it's just trying to make people smile a little bit yeah, and I can't blame you. I'm just at the moment where I'm, I don't tend to really sell things, but I just tend to put videos up all the time. I do it the other way, or you know, podcast to do and do it that way because I encourage people to interact more. So that's me, definitely. So, anyway, Chris, okay, what we're going to do then, cause I know you're going to do a few pieces for us in a moment. So I'll pause the recording now. So, obviously, everybody hang around. Chris is going to do a few poems for us, and I'm going to looking forward to seeing what he does here. So, <laughs> so, I better go. Find my books. <laughs> yeah, you go find your books, mate, and we'll get things paused and I'll be right back to everybody in a minute. Hang around, see you all soon. Spoken, mate. Hi, guys. We're still here, me and Chris. He got a bit delayed there a few moments ago, but we'll come on to that. I think it's one of these podcasts, this one, Chris, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't hit the record button on the first attempt properly and. And I'll let you, if you want to, Chris, tell me what you've just got undone. We've delayed you about 10 minutes there, doesn't it? So, 
<laughs> yeah, I was get him a poetry book just about to sit back down and start being a good boy and reading some poetry for you all, and I gashed my leg open on the corner of the coffee table. Because <laughs> right, I had one of those days today, so... <laughs> well, I'm going to keep quiet now, guys, and straight over to Chris, and he's going to read out a couple of pieces for us from his show. So this is the flagship poem from Zeus for Adults, the one where it all started. This is Green Eggs and Sam. Sam I am, Sam I am. I do not like that Sam I am. Do you like green eggs and ham? I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I will pull your fucking hair. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. Would you like them in a house? Would you like them with a mouse? I would not like them in a house, you ranted mangy pubic louse. I would not like them here or there. You're driving me into despair. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. I am. Would you like them in a box? Would you? Could you? With a fox? Not in a box. Not with a fox. Why don't you? Won't you? Just fuck off. I wouldn't let them in my house. I wouldn't feed them to a mouse. I neither eat them here nor there. Don't make me yank your fucking hair. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. Sam. I am. And before you carry on, let me stop you right there. Because honestly, I'm going spare. Not on a boat, not in the rain, no goats, no trains, and I'm not eating up a tree like a fucking owl. Just leave me be. I'll push you off the fucking boat and I'll make sure you do not float. And just, and just, how do you find it morally acceptable to offer me food that is way beyond edible? The eggs have gone green, they're not fit for consumption. If I eat those, I'll give me convulsions. Twitching colon and a dilated anus, I'll be vomiting out of more faces than Janus. I hate you, Sam I am. I hate every hair on your stupid fucking body. I hate the way you exist almost entirely in primary colours. I hate you, Sam I am. 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 Sam shuffled his feet and looked down at the ground, started moving his mouth, but produced no sound. I sighed with relief and settled back in my seat as Sam walked away. Then he stopped for a beat. He walked back towards me and came close to my ear. Do you like green eggs and ham? He whispered. I have some right here. From there, it's a blank. The red mist descended, and I'm terribly sorry if you end up offended, but I'll be totally honest and completely upfront. I ended up killing the daft little cunt. Yeah, I murdered the egregious creep. I chopped him up and I froze his meat. I thawed bits of him out on special occasions, like a barbecue with a sweet chilli glazing. I'll make a risotto or porridge bolognese, or sometimes just with chips and heaps of mayonnaise. But... He did have a point, much to my disdain, with his incessant fucking culinary refrain. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be who I am. Because my favourite meal is green eggs and Sam. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, that's, that's absolutely... 
I'm speechless. That's the best way to put it to you. <laughs> Fantastic, very seriously. Okie dokie. Now, you've got two more for us, haven't you? So I certainly do. Now, if it's okay, I was going to read a poem from the show that I haven't written. <laughs> do it. I, <laughs> do I it. included it because it's along the same vein of children's classic rewrite. And is genuinely one of the best poems I've ever read. It was written by my mum, Margaret Moriarty, um, who will probably kill me if she knows I'm doing this and I've added it into my show. But I don't know because it's too good. I'm sure I've told her I'm doing it somewhere along the way. You're a brave man, um, mate. I w- if my mum had done that, I wouldn't dare. If <laughs> <laughs> you um, so, well, if anyone's familiar with the nursery rhyme Who Killed Cock Robin, this is a rewrite of that called Who Killed John Lennon? Who killed John Lennon? I said Mark Jackman with my Smith and Wesson. I killed John Lennon. Who saw him die? Lucy in the sky from way up on high. She saw him die. Who caught his blood? I said New York on that cruel sidewalk. I caught his blood. Who'll make the shroud? We said the Beatles, with our thread and needles, we'll make the shroud. Who'll dig his grave? I said the walrus, with my powerful tusks, I'll dig his grave. Who'll be the parson? Father Mackenzie, they doubted a frenzy, he must be the parson. Who'll be the chief mourner? I said, hey Jude, he's my flesh and blood, I'll be the chief mourner. Who'll carry the coffin? I said the Eggman, I am your Eggman, I'll carry the coffin. Who'll take the ashes? I said the widow. He was truly my hero. I'll take the ashes. Who'll sing imagine? Lady Madonna, our own free Madonna, she'll sing imagine. Who'll toll the bell? I said the fool, because I can pull. I'll toll the bell. All the free world sent their sobs up to heaven when they heard the bell toll for the legend John Lennon. Yay. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll move straight on. Obviously, no more comments about family members there. So, we're good to great stuff, mate. <laughs> okay, uh, what's the conclusion for today, then? The conclusion is one of my own... Um, one of my own original pieces. Cool. Which um, was a long time in the writing. It's called Endings. The first time I met you, we happened upon the same shortcut home from school. You were rapidly muttering about the new Linux build or something. I pretended that the street I lived on was four down from the one I actually lived on, just so I could get away from you, leaving you to whisper sweet electronic nothings into the tops of your shoes. The first time we met properly, years eve, three years on, I had no idea you were that little nerd I shared a baffling walk home with. Now, you were the feared one at school. The one who apparently set his head on fire. Bulletproof. And I was the overweight karate kid. You poured a dose of every spirit in the house into a pan, downed a pint and climbed onto the garage. I followed suit, not wanting to be outdone. We jumped. You landed with grace, I landed in a rose bush with my arse hanging out. We recognised each other's fearlessness and played Rochambeau with pool balls to a very painful stalemate. As kindred spirits, we went for a barefoot walk in the snow, bonding over our love of the song Daydreaming Blue. Time passed. 
the first time I met your mother, she was stood at the top of the stairs in a dressing gown, showing almost too much thigh for my teenage brain to cope with, declaring that if I didn't like Highlander, I wasn't welcome in her home. I lied and was welcome. A year of friendship passed expressed almost solely in terms of how much Donkey Kong is a cunt. <laughs> I went to the doctor's with you. He told you that your stomach cramps were you not masturbating enough. <laughs> I lost that night. You woke at three in the morning to find me stroking your crotch with the hand of your collectible neo figurine. Time passed through college and uni. We became hosting a rave on a roundabout friends, throwing Maltesers at Moss friends, carrying a sofa and a telescope to the nearby field to watch the stars friends. The kind of friends that inferred life philosophies from the ways we ducked under strangers' washing lines. Thick and thin friends. Through the thick and through the thin, we never hugged. Not once. It just wasn't our thing. Three years ago, you asked me to be your best man. There were jubilations. The big day came. I didn't show up. There were no recriminations, just. Last week, your sister called to tell me your mum had passed away. Everyone was at her deathbed telling stories how she could have easily replaced Carl Vordemar on Countdown, how whenever your friends needed somewhere to stay, she always sucked them in, me included. I would have told about the two of you play fighting in the living room, the math scholar and the rugby player, until you were genuinely kicking the shit into each other. It was an uncomfortable watch, and a memory unshared. When I arrived at the wake, there were no recriminations, just a hug and a pint bought. You asked me if I was still on antidepressants. I told you I came off them after the suicide attempt. You told me that two days before the funeral, your wife delivered a stillbirth and that the buffet was open. We both picked up a chicken pakora and proposed a toast with the pastry to the memory of your mother. As I was leaving, we hugged again. I told you to call if you needed to talk about anything at all. You slipped a sausage roll into my pocket and I am still waiting for the phone to ring. Great stuff, that Chris. I can really relate to that at the moment, where I've got a friend that's I'm in a very similar situation with, and it's it goes away. But brilliant, brilliant where that because what's good there is it gives the free PT you've done. It gives us a completely different sense of what you show completely there. It does, and it goes from the the funniness to the embarrassment, and then and then the sadness and all great stuff, mate. So, just to clarify again before we conclude, if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going again? Okay, so I have a Facebook page which is Christopher Moriarty, writer and editor. I am working on getting more presence on social media, but it's there's too much to catch up with sometimes. God, yeah. Between work and the home admin and everything else, engaging sleep. with all the different social media. What sleep? I've forgotten what that is. No, never heard of it. I think I think it's a luxury like the the older generation have got. We don't have it, so <laughs> yeah. But I can I agree with you, mate. There. So, but thank you again today, Chris. Hang around. I need to quit early off, Mike. But this is Andy no N. Problem. Thank you to Chris again, and it's been great fun today. See you all soon. Take care. Spoken Label. Thanks again for listening to another session of Spoken Label. Our full archive can be found over on Bandcamp at 
spoken label that's one word spoken label full stop bandcamp.com and there is over 150 sessions there so i'm sure that if you've enjoyed this session there'll be something else there you can enjoy as well take care bye bye spoken label